0: Hi, folks. This is Jason Crane, and I need your help. I am riding in August in Philadelphia in the Livestrong Challenge Ride to benefit the Lance Armstrong Foundation, which helps uh, research for cancer and also helps families who are dealing with cancer. Many people in my family have been impacted by cancer, and I'm sure the same is true for many of you. So I'm riding my bike and raising money, and this is the cool part. For every $5 you donate to my ride, which you can do by clicking on uh, the very visible link at thejazzsession.com on the left side. For every $5 you donate, you get entered into a drawing for great jazz prizes, autographed CDs. I've got some LP reissues. I've got a pair of tickets to see uh, Dave Brubeck in the Berkshires in Massachusetts in October, which is very close to New York and Boston if you're in that area. So please go to thejazzsession.com, click on the uh Pick a Fight link over on the left side of the Lance Armstrong Foundation logo and all that stuff. And donate, for every 5 bucks you donate, you get a raffle ticket. The prizes will be drawn at the end of August. Donate as much as you can and thank you very much for your help. And now on with the show. one, basic hip. Welcome to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, mp3 downloads, and more. The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. This week's guest is Arturo O'Farrell. From his album Song for Chico, this is Caravan. My guest is Arturo O'Farrell, band leader, composer, arranger, pianist. Uh, He is in Saratoga Springs tonight, as a matter of fact, uh, getting ready for a show with the Afro Latin Jazz Orchestra. I guess I should start off by saying congratulations on the Grammy.
1: That's very kind of you. I'm uh, amazed and actually way happier. You know, before we had a Grammy, I I, kind of poo pooed it because I said, well, well, you know, I was up four or five times and I said, well, they, you know, it doesn't mean a thing. But having won one, it's not a bad <laughs> feeling. I have to confess, I might have been partially wrong. <laughs> uh, well, the the Grammy was one for an
0: album called "Song for Chico," yes, and yes. Uh, I want to spend most of our time in the modern day. Sure, but, but let's let's talk about uh, Chico a little bit. And just tell sure. folks why, uh, who he was, and and what he meant to this music.
1: Chico Farrell was one of the probably one of the top composer arrangers in the field that we call jazz. Um, largely relegated to Afro-Cuban music because uh, the jazz machine and the jazz industry and the jazz business uh, has perennially been uh, very dismissive of Latinos in that field. Uh, but to quite quite to the contrary, Chico wrote uh, extensive suites for Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, he wrote music for. Uh, Stan Kenton, extensive works for Stan Kenton, extensive works. He had the twelve albums with Count Basie. So Chico's jazz credentials are 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 huge. On top of the language of jazz, though, he spoke the language of Afro-Cuban music incredibly fluently, and that was his background. And so he was really, in a way, one of the most fluent and most fluid uh, of the big band arrangers that ever ever were, and composers.
0: Do you think nowadays there's more appreciation for the breadth? of his compositional and, and arranging work.
1: I think he's still an insider name. I still he's, I still don't think he's he's quite been ex- I, you know it's funny because arrangers and composers aren't really given any play anyway. But on, in uh, you know in some ways he he in my opinion he still has not quite gotten his due. One of the reasons is of course that he wasn't an instrumentalist. He wasn't a singer and he wasn't a stage personality. But uh musicians know and there isn't a musician, a real musician, or a real knowledgeable one that wouldn't tell you he's one of the greats.
0: Now, uh, you mentioned uh, how kind of widespread his experience and his credentials were, and you are really exactly the same way. I mean, you've been with everybody from Carla Bley to what you're doing now, which is a, a pretty wide spectrum. Was there ever a chance when you were growing up that you were going to be, like, a dentist or the bassist in a punk band, or was it always that you were going to head no, into I, this field?
1: Or... I mean, I, I love playing the piano. I really, all of <laughs> All I wanted to do was play with Miles, but that that call never came, Uh, so I ended up wearing a lot of hats. But in terms of non-involvement in music, I think I was an administrator uh, in an arts department at NYU for three years, but that's as close as I came to not. uh, And believe me, that was a pretty desperate decision. It was a decision born out of lack of work. Um, The one thing I can't say is I've never really done... Much work, if any, that I didn't love. So I'm, I'm very privileged that way. I didn't do any music playing that I didn't directly care for. Was it uh,
0: was it important for you to not just uh, start right off, kind of in the the Afro Latin world, but to uh, kind of gain a breadth of experience as well?
1: Absolutely. My, um, I, 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 really, I came up in a very. I was part of the first rap movement in New York City. I was part of the free jazz movement. I was part of the Carla Bley experience. Uh, I didn't really play Latin music till I was in my late 20s, and even then it was begrudgingly, mostly because, I, you know, it's, just, it's my father's music, so I, I rejected it, and... Uh, didn't really understand how, uh, how integral uh, Latin music, especially Afro-Cuban music, is to the real definition of jazz. It never, never occurred to me. I looked upon it like we were told and like we're still told in some quarters that it's a secondary subset or a derivation, a branch off the tree of jazz. And it wasn't until I really started to learn that uh, it's part of the root. It's part of the definition of jazz. And if you don't see that, you're losing something in the translation.
0: Is that why you use the term Afro-Latin?
1: Very important. It's uh, And to me, the idea of not using Afro-Cuban is also very important because Afro-Cuban music is a very specific kind of music, but to me, the definition of the future-looking ensemble is a, is, is a future-looking jazz ensemble, especially a big band, is one that is prepared to deal with the Latin issues as much as with the jazz issues. <laughs>
0: talk a little bit more about that? What are the Latin issues? I'm uh, interested well, to hear more about that.
1: Latin music is is considerably more more in touch with the African roots of jazz. Latin music is to me, more is, is prepared to deal with the large issues of hand drumming, which I don't think should have ever been separated from jazz. Hand drumming is a big part of what we do. The idea of swing and clave are, are very different. Um, but I, I, really, I really believe that... Um, uh, There's something very important about the hand drumming aspect that was once a big part of the definition of the music and jazz. And drummers will tell you this because they love that sound. But the Latin issues are also about the different aesthetic that Latin music took as it grew up around the same time that uh, jazz grew up. Uh, Latin music deals more with song form, deals more with singing, declamatory singing, deals more with dance for sure. And all these things are, are still, in other words, jazz moved away from the things that gave it its roots. And Latin hasn't. Latin has embraced them. Latin music, especially Latin jazz, has continued to be centered on dance, centered on dance rhythm, centered on hand drumming, centered on very uh, folkloric forms. These are all things that jazz kind of stopped dealing with. And I, you know, I think it's somewhat to its detriment. Because part of what we define jazz by is where it comes from. Part of what we define ourselves by is where we come from. And I think Latin music is, in essence, a little more truthful with the issues that the music of the diaspora present.
0: And how do you work in the whole factor of improvisation while you're still dealing with the dance and the rhythm?
1: Jazz and Latin are no different. Uh, Latin music has always been improvisational, considerably more so in some ways. Because our music is born out of folkloric Afro-Cuban religious forms and those are very rooted in song in 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 call and response and call and response is traditionally a very improvisatory setting uh our improvisational side of things is uniquely uh a part of uh the all our our, our all our soneros our song makers our singers deal with this very improvisatory declamatory style of singing that is made famous by people like Reuben Blades but uh everything that we do everything that 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 is Latin is, is true for jazz is true for Latin very improvisational, very blues uh, all you know it's almost interchangeable that's why to me the need to re-examine the relationship with Latin and jazz is incredibly important for our society and for our culture because it is one is not a subset of the other, but a better understanding of the picture of jazz is to embrace what Latin says about this art form
0: does calling the band afro latin or calling the kind of music that you play I mean does that To some degree, kind of perpetuate that uh, segmenting, or
1: uh that's a very good question. I don't think so. It forces an issue to be looked at. Uh, My ideal would be that, and of course, that name was born out of our relationship with Jazz Lincoln Center. Sure, Um, and they needed a title, and they needed a branch, and they needed a shelf on which to put us. But it's not to me. It's not limiting. You could call something. You could call something. You could call a restaurant monkey pus. And it doesn't matter if the food is great. People and if they underst- if people understand that it is great, they will come. I believe that. So the Afro Latin Jazz Orchestra is 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 a title only. But it is an ensemble of the future. It is prepared to deal with clave, with hand drumming, with folkloric form, with the style that really is an integral part of jazz and swing prepared to deal with larger extension, harmonic uh, extensions, prepared to deal with larger suites, prepared to deal with extended compositional uh, uh, genres and extraordinary soloists. I mean, the Afro-Latin jazz orchestra to me is very much the prototype for what I would envision the future jazz ensemble to be.
0: It's really interesting to me because you're you're kind of defining the future on the basis of these incredibly old kind of roots.
1: That's always been, I think that's always been. If you listen to Eric Dolphy, if you listen to uh, Sam Rivers, if you listen to some of the proponents and exponents uh, of our music, Don Cherry, uh, Ornette Coleman, these are considered, though now, of course, that was many years ago, but when they came out, they were considered avant-garde and new jazz. And really, if you listen to this music, it's all rooted in the very, very sacred foundations of our former uh, of, our, of, our, of our forefathers, musical forefathers. And I think that that's always the case. When you do something new, if you do it in a vacuum, it has no reference. There's no way to understand it. And, it. and it isn't art for art's sake. You know, it's only when we relate art to our lives, to our backgrounds, to our culture, to our aesthetic, that it becomes meaningful and it becomes progressive. Otherwise, it's just in a vacuum. So the premise is that in order to go
0: forward, you've got to reach out and kind of gather back in some of the things that were cast away.
1: Absolutely. And also because in, in going forward, you're recognizing that there are issues that will never go away. You know, like Schoenberg said, there's uh, yet to be written music in the, in, in the key of C major. I really believe that. I believe that you can take something that is ancient and old and make brilliant new uh, uh, creativity out of it. And in fact, it has to have that reference to me. That's just me, that's just my aesthetic.
0: I know that uh, you do a lot of work uh, in the schools and, and with younger people. Is it important to bring this music to a younger oh, audience? Oh, my
1: God, is it ever. If you listen to the jazz education industry machine now, jazz is swing. Da, 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 and it never left the 40s or 50s. In fact, it never left the 30s and 40s for some people. And it's really sad. It diminishes us. It diminishes us. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. And for young people to think that jazz ends and begins with Duke Ellington, which was a sacred name to me and sacred name to my father, is a crime. Um, there are people who have made a lot of money off of this name and who continue to do so and will continue to do so, and that's just their problem. But to me, the idea of in educating students about Sun Ra and about uh, Albert Eiler And that that Sunrise Albert Eiler isn't a part of every major jazz camp and jazz program and jazz festival is a serious deficit. And so for me, my my vision is to just new jazz, old jazz, avant-garde jazz, Duke Ellington, it's all part of it. We don't define jazz by what it's not. We define it by the possibility it has.
0: And how do kids react to your message and to the music that you're bringing into the schools?
1: They go nuts, man. They go absolute bananas. They know that there's a freedom in improvisation that they may not feel as human beings, but musically it allows them to be something that, I mean, I have students who I've watched grow up, get married, have kids. Um, I'm humbled, and I thank Lincoln Center to some degree for that because they're the ones who really first exposed me to education, but I'm humbled more by my educational activities than anything else.
0: The band is now at Symphony Space, right, for yes. a couple seasons now? Yes. How's that been working?
1: Out? It's been a real uphill struggle. We've been surviving. We've maintained. We've been doing great. We've been uh, performing a New York season, uh, recording, getting Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still alive, but we don't have the institutional dollar. We don't have a Cadillac parked in our lobby. We don't have uh, 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 Time Warner, and uh, 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 they somehow they just won't. Acknowledge so, But we're working on some funding. We got beautiful funding from uh, uh, Fan Fox, Leslie Samuels. Uh, we're working towards getting funding from other philanthropic arts organizations. And uh, I think incredible things are afoot. Uh, we're beginning now to pre-plan our season, so we're actually be selling us a season up front and not just putting it together as it comes. Um, and we're also getting ready to do a fair bit of traveling. And I
0: hope this doesn't sound naive, but I have to believe that the move – in as much as you may have lost some institutional funding you must have also gained some some freedom and oh some- we
1: gained we gained listen i don't know how else to put it this way but we were i'd rather be master of my chicken shack than an unwelcome guest in the richest mansion on earth
0: you're teaching now at SUNY
1: Purchase? Right? I sure am.
0: And can you talk about uh, what you're focusing on there and
1: what, uh, what you're seeing for in school? Latin jazz Orchestra. I teach a history course. I'm the most unorthodox history teacher you could ever want to meet. We do all kinds of crazy things. We play free jazz. We play Dixieland. We do interview sessions with TV with cameras. Uh, we do presentations. I mean, I do not teach out of a book. I teach from my life. I teach from the experiences, the crazy, wild, and wacky experiences that I have come through to become what I am today. I'll be taking on more piano students in the fall, and Purchase is a wonderful program. Uh, it's an amazing program, really. I didn't. I have to admit I wasn't hip to it before I got there, but uh, the quality of the students is outstanding. The faculty is amazing. It's probably got one of the best faculties on the planet, bar none, including Manhattan, Juilliard, and any other place. You're going to have more names at Purchase. Than you will almost anywhere else in, in maybe except for maybe Manhattan School of Music.
0: Yeah, Purchase seems to be like one of those hidden gems. I mean, it isn't, people,
1: it, I, it's not going to be hidden for long. I don't think so either. Yeah, uh, people are coming from all over the country now to go there, and I think it's appropriate, and I think it's right, and I think Todd Kuhlman should be commended for putting together an astonishing program, and uh, I look forward to having an association with there for many years to come
0: i got two more questions for you. The first one is, uh, what's coming up for you in the in the near future?
1: I am so excited. I just finished, I'm in the last stages of recording my, of finishing, mixing, mastering my Sextet record, which is amazing because it's the first time I've ever released anything that is completely originals. It's all originals. The music is incredibly beautiful, fresh, and astonishing. I mean, I'm really, really, really proud of it, and so we're getting ready right to... Uh, Release that probably in the fall.
0: So three questions. Who's in that band?
1: Uh David Bixler, a wonderful young composer, young. We're all old, let's face <laughs> it. David, I hope you don't hear this. <laughs> Jim Seely, who's been my trumpet player for thousands sure. of years. Uh uh Ron Guerrero from the Chico Fair Orchestra. Boris Kozlov, who's an amazing no kidding, bass yeah. player. Um, and Vince Chericho. Wow. It's, it's, it's kind of an astonishing group, and, and, and the music we're doing is it's just lovely. And when are we going to hear that record? Well, we're trying to shoot for an October release date. Fantastic. Is that on a label or Zoho? Is, it's on Zoho again? Great. Yeah, they're doing a lot of good stuff.
0: Um, and secondly, uh, so much of this conversation has been very serious about the music, but uh, what, i got to believe this is fun for you. What makes it so? What makes
1: it fun? Sitting down at the piano, looking at my musicians, feeling the grace of this music. The grace of this music is that it takes me out of my ego. (laughs) The grace of this music is that I'm just a student of it. I'm not a spokesperson. I'm not the poster boy. I'm not the official person of anything. I'm in love with this music. I'm in love with teaching it. I'm in love with the people that listen to it. And I'm always looking to make more of those people. Uh, So, man, uh, what I do is a total groove.
0: That's Arturo O'Farrell, from his album Song for Chico. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free whenever you want it at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music. You can sign up at thejazzsession.com. If you're on Facebook, there's a group for The Jazz Session, and I give away music there, too. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed The Jazz Session's logo. The Jazz Session is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Thanks very much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.